It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now launching Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Dave Johnson, Marcus May, and Buster Screen all out in the secondary. They're looking for the big one. And it is a touchdown to who else but Adam Thielen. The Jets have a good football team. Um... You know, we, were, we were able to turn, turn them over uh, four times today. I thought we, we did a nice job with field position. We didn't actually take, care, take advantage of it as much as I would have liked to, but uh, you know, um, the field position I figured would be big today with some of the wind. And then uh, you know, we had a couple nice, nice runs there uh, by Latavius to finish it off, and then the, obviously the fourth down pass that, uh, that uh, Robinson caught was, was big to kind of put it away. They can't get a first down at the one-yard line, and this is Murray, and he's into the end zone. A touchdown for Latavius Murray. And now back to Latavius Murray sniffing the end zone, and he will get there. 38-yard touchdown run for Latavius Murray. The second touchdown he had, uh, he was they were running a, a blitz coming off the edge, and you know, you slant guys down inside. And if you get one of them cut off, you can get up to linebacker, get to the second level. And uh, but I thought he ran hard today. Um, you know, there was a couple runs we had holding on that got called back at the end. Um, you know, Latavius is a good back. Well, they just totally gotten away from the run game, and that's intercepted on a tip ball by Harrison Smith down the sideline inside the 15. And dropped inside the 10. Cousins throws and a catch is made by Thielen, and that'll put him over 100 yards. You know, all over the map. I think there was a lot of positives. Anytime you score 30, 37 points on the road, you're doing something right. But there's certainly a lot of places that weren't good enough. And um, when you have a special teams giving you great field position, when you have a defense creating turnovers and getting you the ball back, then it probably makes it look better than it really was. But uh, that's complimentary football, that's team football, and we're so grateful for our defense and special teams the way they played today because it kept giving us opportunities to go back out there and, and score points. Uh-huh. Steps into it, passes, caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! The Minnesota Vikings, Manny Hill, on October 1st of this season were 1-2-1. And And if you recall, they had just lost to the L.A. Rams. And before that, they had gotten destroyed at home by the Buffalo Bills. And we all said, what is going on here? Since then, they have won three consecutive games. 
They beat the Eagles in Philly, which was impressive. They beat the Cardinals at home, which they should do. And they beat the Jets on the road, which they should have done. And that is why we play this. Because now, now this week is set up as it properly should be for a rematch of the NFC playoff game. Steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs. Sideline. Touchdown. Unbelievable. Vikings win it. Saints-Vikings Sunday night. U.S. Bank Stadium is now set up properly. Yes, it is. And it is not... All right, so let's be careful here because I I think we have to parse our words uh, because after the Cardinals and Jets weeks, which are not much of a week, to be honest with you, as far as excitement about opponents go, Mm -hmm. we have a matchup for Sunday night that's going to be very exciting. If the Vikings lose this game, they are not in deep doo-doo. They are not in deep trouble. But this game, to me, is important and is going to be a lot of fun because it is going to tell us where this team is at. Because after Buffalo, we're all like, whoa, what was that? Right. And then we saw them play the Rams, who are a better team, but they got into a shootout, which was sort of weird, and the defense definitely did not play well in that game. To their credit, and to the credit of the head coach, who told us all at the time, and rightfully so, I guess, to relax, they've come back and won three consecutive games. But this now gives you or sets up the opportunity against Drew Brees and the Saints to say... All right, can you beat the Saints? And if you do, then I believe that you are in the NFC conversation for the upper echelon teams, which goes Rams, number one for sure. Saints are probably number two, five and one after they beat Baltimore on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then can you get into that conversation? And if you beat the Saints at home, I think you do. If you don't, you're not in trouble. The, The division is still potentially yours. But I think then you fall back into the conversation of you're definitely in that second set of teams, not that first set. Yeah, and I think it's important because not only to you know to, to piggyback off of what you said, but also if you win this game, you I mean obviously the the, the tie is in there and it kind of you know complicates things, but that gives you a one up on the Saints in that you know if we get to, to later of the season, we're looking at the standings. If you're the Vikings and you can finish, somehow finish ahead of the Saints in the standings because you win enough games and you've won this game against them, now obviously with the tie in there for the Vikings, there wouldn't be any sort of tiebreaker that would come into play. But you beat them, you get a one-up on them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about having to go on the road in the playoffs into the Superdome. Because we know... <laughs> Do you think that's Histor- a tough place to go play? <laughs> Historically... In the I know nothing about that. Now, now listen, in 87, and you would remember this better than I do, in 87, the the um, the year that Burnsy took them to the NFC Championship yep. game, they went into the, to New Orleans in the wildcard round and kicked the crap out of the Saints, but... It was easier to do that back then because that was Jim. That was a Jim Moore coach team, and it's. I mean, come on, it's thirty years ago. Who was but, their quarterback back then? Jim Everett. I don't think Everett was there yet. What did it? What did it have yeah, been like? Bobby, Bobby Abair, maybe. Was yes. It Bobby Abair. Yes. It definitely was not <laughs> Drew Brees. Right. You were not facing Drew Brees on the road, and you were not facing the sort of crowd that you would face if you go into the Superdome in say like the last 10, 12 years that Drew Brees has been their quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get a win against the Saints now this coming week, it puts you up on them. It puts you in a position where if you have to play them in the playoffs, you are more likely having to host them again, which gives you a better chance. 
And I, I think to, to your point, it just it just it 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 lets everybody know that okay, they can play with a team like the Saints, who are considered one of the two best teams in in your conference right mm-hmm. now, and that that's one of the teams that you're probably if you're going to go to the Super Bowl, you're probably going to have to play the Saints, and you'd much rather play them at home than you'd have to go down to New Orleans and play them in the Superdome. Now the issue is this, and, and we don't know, and I, I did not hear. Not surprisingly, I don't think uh, Zimmer provided an update on the injured players today. But after yesterday, Everson Griffin's not playing. Right. And I am certain that he's not going to play on Sunday. Linval Joseph, with three different things wrong, missed Sunday's game, and I don't know if he's going to be back. Xavier Rhodes left yesterday's game with what Zimmer described after the game as a sprained ankle. It did not look good. Anthony Barr had a hamstring, which Mike also tried to downplay, but of course he's going to. And Sandejo did not play for a second consecutive game. Mike Hughes, who didn't start but played a lot, is out. This is what made last year so special. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a thousand times. But it, it's worth bringing up again, too. You're about to face Drew Brees, and you honestly don't know if one, two, three, four, five, five and a half basically starters can play. I looked this up last night, and it's off the charts. Man Injuries to man games as far as starters last year, Manny Hill? Take a guess. Well, combine suspensions, suspensions in Sandejo's case, and injuries. Take a guess at how many man games they combined. lost. Combined, combined on defense. How Probably. many they lost in 2017? Did Griffin miss a Griffin missed a game one last game. year? Right, he missed one game against uh, Washington after he got hurt against Cleveland in Wembley Stadium. Sandejo got a suspension. Was it maybe three or four? It was four. four. Sandejo missed two games with a groin slash hamstring. Mm. Four games. Four games for starters. Everybody else played. That's why we talked about the fact that this year could not be and was not going to be the same at all, mm-hmm. and, and it's not. And that's the challenge that you're going to face on Sunday. And also, to your point, you know, you listed all the guys that are banged up. I mean, let's be honest, Trey Waynes will probably play on Sunday. At least we're thinking that, but he's... He's been in and out because he's been banged up with concussions and ankle things. And, and you know, it looked like in a situation yesterday, he might have gotten injured yesterday, but he came back into the game. Yep. I mean, it. this is this is why we need the offense to pick it up a little bit. Now, look, on the surface, or um, I almost kind of Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins has been, overall, he's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. But there were things that happened yesterday that leave you kind of scratching your head like... Uh, the backwards pass? The backwards pass. Can the, pa- can the backwards taking, pass? Take, running backwards and taking a sack inside the one-yard line that almost was a safety? Can the backwards pass please be scrapped from any <laughs> Vikings play? If there's any Vikings literature at the TCO Performance Center, which begins with the backwards pass, can we just get the pencil eraser out and just erase that and be like, you know what, Kirk, this is gone for now. Well, Forever. Never coming back. It's like it's a it was a backwards pass and he like threw it into the ground. He had an explanation for it. He said he just basically screwed up. That he was trying well, to that he was trying to get rid of the ball. It's nice that he's admitting that. But it's a but still, fumble. It's nice that he's anyway. admitting that, but come on, Kirk. Just don't you know in addition to admitting to it, just don't do it anymore. Now the Vikings deserve credit for this. The past two weeks especially. They have taken care of teams they should beat. Mm-hmm. Rookie quarterbacks, which they can devise game plans for, where in the case of Rosen or Darnold, they've got no chance. But 
Zim, what do you think about facing Drew Brees? What's it like preparing for Brees? It's different than it has been the last two weeks. This guy is amazing. You know, when you talk about Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, obviously he's going to be one, uh, but he's very cerebral, accurate. He's moving well in the pocket. You know, I, I was watching tape today, and I'm like, how old is this guy? I thought he was, you know, getting old. But, you know, he's not really a runner, but he scrambles. And um, usually to find guys open. And he knows where to go with the football, and he's extremely accurate. The amazing thing when you look at him, it just doesn't seem like there's a physical deterioration or any kind of... Breeze. Yeah, I mean, he's no. 39. It doesn't seem like he's... No, he's... <laughs> he should retire, too. <laughs> If Xavier Rhodes can't play to me in, in that entire list I gave you, which is some pretty key substantial players, but Manny, if Rhodes can't play, it's a huge deal. It's it's Mackenzie Alexander major. maybe starts outside. Holton Hill's going to have to play. Holton Hill, keep in mind, God bless him, is an undrafted rookie free agent. Trey Waynes bumps up to be your most important cornerback. Mm-hmm. If there is one guy, and the way that Rhodes, Rhodes gets hurt a lot, to the point of where I kept saying, okay, he's down again and he's going to get up. But when he can't walk off the field, now the fact he stayed on the sideline might be a good thing, but the last time we saw he couldn't really walk, that to me is the one loss for Sunday that's going to make it extremely difficult. If now Mackenzie Alexander has to start in on the outside, but in the nickel package, at least when they use three corners for that, Mackenzie Alexander is going to move inside, I would guess. Holton Hill has to play outside. Mm. This all seems like it... It might work very well against Rosen or Darnold. It seems like a recipe for complete disaster potentially against Drew Brees. So if you're if if Rhodes can't go on Sunday night, you would probably try and put Waynes on Michael Thomas. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. right? Yes, and I mean I. But this doesn't solve I'll, the issue. I'll, the fact- I guess I'll take my chances with that matchup, but that. But if you're bumping Trey Waynes up a, up a spot on the depth chart as he's your number one corner now, if this is again provided that Rhodes can't play, then it just that just puts more pressure on the other guys. It puts more pressure on Mackenzie Alexander, more pressure on Holton Hill. I mean, they, I just they need Rhodes badly. Yeah, and I don't Sunday. and I don't think you can force him to play with that if he can't run, he just can't run. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the thing with Breeze is he's so damn good, Manny, that you might be able to take away his top option and it won't matter because he's going to spread the ball around. That second half of the playoff game was remarkable. If you're a football fan, I know mm-hmm. if you're a Viking fan, you hated it. But the second half of the game here last January 14th to watch Breeze after he did not have a good first half come out and operate that thing in that environment was astounding. Hit Thomas on some passes, on some scores. Hit Alvin Kamara, my how guy, about, a couple times. How about him being cold-blooded and smart enough that if you, you recall after Sandejo got knocked out and Rhodes flipped his lid, Rhodes went absolutely ballistic. Mm-hmm. The very next play, Drew Brees looked right at Xavier Rhodes and said, I'm going at you. Yep. And he completed a pass. Michael Thomas. Yeah. But that's the type of that's the type of thing where Zim can scheme to stop a rookie. And I do believe that Zim can scheme to make it interesting against a guy like Breeze. But there's a big difference between actually going into a game, being super confident that you're going to stop that quarterback and saying to yourself, I think I can do this, but I'm not quite sure. And if you're without essentially five and a half guys, mm. that could be a problem. Up 
Plenty more Vikings talk. Mackie's going to join the show at 4 o'clock. Courtney Cronin, ESPN, who covers the Vikings, does a great job. Will join us at 3.30 to talk about yesterday's game and also this week's Saints matchup. The show is Mackie and Judd. We come to you from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, take a look at your traffic here from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, Everything moving rather smoothly around the metro right now. Uh, We do have a traffic incident on 394 westbound uh, between 94 and Dunwoody Boulevard. And uh, that may slow down things just a little bit, but otherwise things moving uh, rather smoothly. Also, 35E southbound, we got a crash uh, in St. Paul between uh, Randolph and West 7th Street. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Dane Johnson, Marcus May, and Buster Screen all out in the secondary. They're looking for the big one. And it is a touchdown to who else but Adam Thielen. I like Murray's, Manny's, like the steakhouses. Yeah, I do like the restaurants. They're pretty good. That's, I don't know if that has something to do with anything, but uh, okay. There's better restaurants here. Oh, well, I'm sure there's good food here too. So hopefully we get some of it here on the bus in a second. The New York media showing up. The mass is showing up at uh, MetLife Stadium on Sunday, Manny Hill, mm-hmm. and putting the screws to Kirk Cousins about why he spurned the Jets in their three-year, $30 million offer and instead came here Darn it, doesn't he know that the restaurants in Manhattan are better? Doesn't he understand? Didn't he get that? <laughs> Why He had to defend himself and tell, and tell the New York press exactly where the good restaurants are. I like Murray's, Manny's, like the steakhouses. Yeah, I do like the restaurants. They're pretty good. That's, I don't know if that has something to do with anything. but uh, okay. There's better restaurants here. Oh, well, I'm sure there's good food here, too. So hopefully we get some of it here on the bus in a second. Didn't we read a whole thing? I thought when Kirk signed here, he didn't eat red meat. Wasn't that the deal? I thought Kirk was on some the, very specialized diet. Like a Matt, Tom Brady type diet, yeah. right? Where he's like avocado ice cream. How does cream he know about and Murray's like and Manny's? How does he? <laughs> this is the problem. This is the fumble problem. Go back to your old diet. Don't eat good. Don't eat the good stuff. What were you eating when you were in Washington? Yeah. Go back to that. What were you eating when you were at Michigan State? When you were in college? Last I checked, if you go to Murray's or Manny's, the menus there don't offer the the TB12 special. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I love the fact, this reminds me, and this is why covering games in that, uh, in that general vicinity of New York, New Jersey, Manny Hill is so much fun. 2010, the last time the Vikings played the Jets there. In fact, I think it might have been the first or second year after MetLife Stadium had opened. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time Favre was back after playing for the Jets. And, of course, that meant it was the first time he was back after the whole Jen Sturger thing story broke. Primetime game, Monday night game, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Everyone's on deadline. It's late. Teams trying to do their best to get their coaches and players through post-game press conference. And then the Vikings are going to leave and uh, fly home. Favre's entire press conference basically about Jen Sturger. Who did what, when they knew what, what's going to happen. The it was this this was 
Nothing by comparison. I like Murray's, Manny's. Yeah, Favre had to talk about basically his alleged, alleged um, um, dalliance for the entire press conference. Did he have to answer his own? Did he answer his own questions that he had for himself? Because uh, you know, oh, Brett, yeah. Brett was oh, yeah. notorious for that. Oh yeah, he did. Oh sure he did. Sure he did. <laughs> oh yeah, he backtracked. Oh yeah, he backtracked on stuff. And yeah, Brett, because the story that you tell. Is correct. In New England, Moss was mad at the media for getting him fined, so he decided mm-hmm. he was going to conduct his own press conference and then did a brilliant job of that. I have to find that and put that in the system. Oh, that's a great, great Viking moment. But Brett's whole thing at every press conference was to ask a rhetorical question and then answer it in full. And that's why a Brett Favre transcript to this day, if you go back and find them, are three or four paragraphs deep. But that night... When he was being essentially grilled, not about the game that, that he had played, and his touchdown pass to Moss was what five hundred? It was number five hundred. So yep. he, this is a historical moment for Brett Favre. Like this is one of the great moments in in a in a season that was about to go very wrong, but a Hall of Fame career. Yep. And all anybody wanted to ask about from the New York Post, from the Daily News, from any of the tabloids was Jen Sturger. I we watched the game together, but I want to bring this up with you before we get to Courtney Cronin. Mm-hmm. And it's not the worst I've seen, but I'm curious what people out there thought of the broadcast yesterday. <laughs> it's it's not the worst I've seen. Not the worst. But between Tom Brenneman talking about basically challenging us as if we were all saying that the wind was not playing a factor in that game, which nobody said, and clearly it was. That's one of the the most, how can I put this accurately, detached broadcasts? Because Brenneman really and Spielman weird. are not, they. I don't think they're bad, ordinarily. Most of the time, yeah, they're pretty right? good. Yeah. Like Chris Myers is a sideline guy who, when asked to do play-by-play, I don't think is very good. Correct. But he's also being taken from a job he's good at on the sideline or studio job. And play-by-play is a very different thing. And And not for one second am I trying to say, that play-by-play is easy. I understand it's not. But the amount of facts that Brenneman got wrong, the Latavius Murray homecoming storyline, and as Collar, who's from that state, told us, Latavius Murray grew up, what, 250 miles away from New Jersey? Upstate New York. Okay. It's about two hours from Syracuse he grew up from. Brenneman challenging us and saying, if you don't think the wind is a huge factor today, and we're all like, no, we get that it is. We we saw Dan Bailey <laughs> attempting pregame and halftime kicks. That's what I was wondering. Like, who is telling him that the wind is not a factor? Because I go I go to Vikings home games, so I don't watch them, so I don't hear the telecasts. I've been to one, the Green Bay game, so I've watched a couple of, of road games, and ordinarily they're fine. It's not that you get a lot of new storylines because you don't, mm-hmm. but ordinarily they're they're okay. And the Sunday night primetime game with Michaels and Collinsworth will be just fine. It'll be good. But that yesterday to me, well, I couldn't. I we sat here watching, and I kept thinking to myself, "This is at times it felt like it was bordering on cable access." And it's as if Brenneman doesn't understand the internet. Allows us to fact check really quickly. Very quickly, yes. 20 years ago, Joe Morgan could get away with saying whatever he wanted, and we all be like, oh, yeah, Joe Morgan, Hall of Fame second baseman, he must be right. And then you started to look things up, and you're like, wow, he's wrong about everything. But Brenneman yesterday was saying, was missing stuff, 
and and talking about things that didn't make sense. I thought this is I understand the game's not good and it wasn't a good game, but the way that they approached that game and this is rare for me at least. It actually colored the way I felt about it. Mm-hmm. It made the game worse. <laughs> and that's hard to do. Well, there's two things that stood out to me. One was, and, and you and Collar, we were all sitting here in the studio watching the game, and you'd heard me fussing about it pretty much the entire time after it happened, was Brenneman kept, he kept bringing up the wind as if somebody was telling him yeah. that it wasn't a factor in the game when everybody knew obviously it was. So nope, it's like, Tom, nobody's saying that. Nobody is telling you that the wind is not a factor. Okay? And the other thing was the part where Spielman was talking about how if he didn't get, you know, back when he was younger and if he, if he didn't get, what did he say? Like he didn't, if he didn't get 10 tackles in a fed, game, right? he didn't get fed or something like that. Like as he said, like his dad was his coach or something like that, right? Yeah, because he said hi to his mom and said that she would sneak him food, but if he didn't play well or he didn't get enough tackles, dad wouldn't allow him to eat. It was very weird. Like, it's like, what? It was like very you, you say that on like a national or a regional broadcast. And by the way, it's it's in New York. So like everybody in New York City is watching the game. Yep. Like, what are you, well, what are that's, you guys doing? That's not their D team. Brenneman is, is one. That's one of their top yeah. Sunday play by play teams. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 Buck, and then it's Burkhart. I think Burkhart's now the number two. Okay, but Brennan was Brennan, the was the two for quite a while. Quite a while. But, so yeah. he's the third guy now. Yeah, I think he's I think he's basically number three. But it was it was as if Brennan and Spielman said, "Oh, Vikings Jets. Oh, this is a bad game." <laughs> and then no one really prepared for it. How about when? How about when Brennan got? When Zilstra made that catch, he thought it was Adam Thielen at first. Oh, yeah. Yo, mean, white guy catching the ball. Yeah. Must be Thielen. Yeah. Well, and then he said it was because their numbers. The, the, oh, the, yeah, that's the, right. Yeah, yeah that's no exactly. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah, that, that's what, exactly 15 it. and 19 do look alike, Manny Hill. Yeah. My goodness. Courtney Cronin, ESPN Vikings uh, beat reporter, joins next. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil will join the show at 4. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. I like Murray's, Manny's, like the steakhouses. Yeah, I do like the restaurants. They're pretty good. I don't know if that has something to do with anything, but uh, okay. We've been to restaurants. Oh, well, I'm sh- there's good food here, too. So hopefully we get some of it here on the bus in a second. Courtney Cronin, tell me this. I thought Kirk Cousins, when he signed here, the whole thing that he was on some specialized Tom Brady TB12 diet. If he's going to Murray's or Manny's, what has happened to the very careful food selection that we thought Kirk Cousins made whenever he decided to put something in his body? Well, I was surprised, too, that he didn't shout out Capitol Grill. I, even though, yes, I know that's a chain, but that's where they took him for the free agency dinner after we all were kind of running around like chickens with our head cut off trying to figure out if you go to a special vegan place, are they having smoothies for dinner at some green juice place. Um was kind of surprised by that. But, I mean, were, were you surprised by any stretch that a New York reporter, hard-hitting, we're going to, you know, gotcha journalism at its finest, ask that question? Because I was not. Oh, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. In fact, I was there on the Monday night game in 2010 when Favre made his first return to that stadium to play against the Jets. And Favre's almost his entire postgame presser was New York-dominated Jen Sturger questions. So I'm not surprised uh, at all. Nothing to do with football. No, and I mean, I think, honestly, I, I posted about this last night, just, you know, po- posting the question, being like, this is a real live question that he got. I think Kirk handled it as best you could. I mean, the whole week with, you know, the New York media calling him classless and saying that he used the, the Jets for a leverage play, which... To a degree, I think he did, but who cares? That's what free agency is. Teams do it all the time to players. Um, they were, it, just, it was so baffling to me how just appalled uh, the, the narrative of, of a lot of New York media members, you know, from, from the Post and all their crazy headlines and everything else. Uh, just, I, I was so shocked. There was so much fake outrage over Kirk Cousins this week. Um, and Kirk, I mean, and even, you know, Mike Zimmer handled it really well post-game, and, you know, we've moved on, and, uh, you know, they, they walked out of there with a, with a really good win despite some, you know, odd circumstances from the offense. It's still able to hang 37 points on them. It's still trying to wrap my head around that. Courtney, what was your take uh, takeaway from how the offense looked though yesterday? Because it, it, you know, obviously they they put the thirty seven points on the board, but there were just a few things that kind of left me scratching my head. Like I, the the backwards pass that it looked like Kirk basically threw it into the ground, which ended mm-hmm. up being a live ball, obviously because it went backwards. I don't, I don't understand why that continues to be in in the in the game plan, or or I don't know if that's an actual play design they have or if it's just a play that they call and Kirk always just ends up throwing it backwards because of where where the receiver is. I don't I don't I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, it was a really heads up move by Stefan Diggs to quickly fall on that. Um, you know, so it didn't it was obviously written down as a fumble for Cousins and they didn't lose the ball, which I guess is a good thing, but there's so many instances where we see with Kirk Cousins, like, you know, I wrote a story about this the other day. I mean I think a lot of people are shocked to find that he leads the NFL since 2015 when he became a starter, leads the league in fumbles and fumbles lost. For somebody who is such a heads-up, really smart with anticipation, great arm strength, accuracy, that this is kind of the one blemish that it isn't going away. He's a habitual fumbler. Um, and that's not to say... That sounds really good. bad, Courtney. It, it is. Habitual I mean, fumbler sounds like a real character it. flaw. Real character yeah. flaw. I wouldn't say it's a character flaw. I mean, he's not, um, you know, it's, it's character flaw on the field maybe, but, you know, to, to Manny's question about the backwards pass, we saw it, you know, two weeks ago in Philadelphia, kind of the same thing. I don't know if it's execution or if it's just, you know, sometimes he looks like just the anticipation in the pocket, whether it's sensing pressure, which is why some of those fumbles have happened. But on something like that, it's just like maybe – reacting too quickly i don't know i mean he was in the shade when that was ball was thrown he was throwing into the sun maybe the sun got in his eyes i don't know it's it's honestly a really baffling uh thing that you know has kept happening but luckily you know in both circumstances they haven't turned the ball over i guess that's the silver lining what's your sense then uh to uh, to take that and go to the next place what's your sense of how much of of his issues can be fixed right now because some of it he's been doing for, for a long time, but there there are there are some things he does that that Courtney I keep saying those are plays that end seasons and you can't yep. have them if you are going to win a Super Bowl. 
I had a really good talk with uh, Tim Hasselback last week for this article that I wrote saying about you know him being a habitual fumbler. And there's certain things, like the things that are very fixable that you know you could eliminate two, three, four, even five fumbles are depth in the pocket, which that was the issue in Los Angeles, and that was you know where he said you know we want to be nine and a half yards in the pocket, and John DiFilippo then on the flip side saying no, we just want to be more than seven and a half. I mean, being you know when you when you take a look at it in the grand scheme, nine and a half is a little deep if you're you know dropping back out of the shotgun. That's for a hard play action thing. So Hasselbeck kind of equated that to just just worry about where you are so your left tackle doesn't have to go in overdrive because that's what's going to kill you every single time if you're dropping back too deep. And then it's cha- I think the harder one is learning to change the clock in your head for when you're going to escape, when you realize that your reads aren't coming to fruition quickly enough. That one I don't think that, you know, sometimes either you have it or you don't. It's kind of an instinctual thing how you train your brain to, you know, speed up the clock in your head to know, okay, climb, 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 Um, I don't see anything, I'm going to, you know, tuck and escape. That's, I think, you know, that's situational football. That's what we've talked about. I mean, you can, you probably have some individual periods when special teams are on the field to to practice that, but against a live pass rush, uh, you only have so few opportunities in practice to change that. I, I honestly don't know how you tangibly do that, but from from my understanding, just kind of of the fumbles that he's had this year and things that have gone wrong, those are the two big ones. And if you can eliminate things like that, you could probably save, you know, that's how small the margin of error is for good teams in the NFL. It might be a play like that, like you said, Judge, that could change the entire game. As we've seen, every single fumble he's lost this year has turned into, you know, either a huge stop for the other team or a return for points. Courtney, how's Mike Zimmer feeling about the run defense? Because with with uh, with Linval Joseph going in, did we lose Courtney? I think she just dropped I think off. We just, I think she just dropped off. I'll try and call going her. Going to a restaurant, possibly. <laughs> She's ducking out. She said, "This Murray's thing sounds great. It sounds fantastic." But I was going to ask her about the running game with for, uh, for the Jets with Linval Joseph being out yesterday, and that was going to be. I mean, that was kind of a concern going into the game, but. They actually, they actually stopped the run pretty well yesterday. Did the Jets try and establish it consistently enough? It I didn't was really seem like they did. That. No, they only got about three yards of carry. And Darnold, the Jets' game plan confused me, Manny, because Darnold is a rookie quarterback. And so you you would think that you would ask him to do – he's going to have to help them. I get that. But the amount of times that they ran the ball, and you, you would think that without – Joseph there to the point that you just made that they would run, run, run and keep doing it and it was more like they defaulted to Darnold passing the ball and you said to yourself, this ain't gonna work. I think we have Courtney back. Okay. Yeah, I was, that was a conspiracy, Judd, from whoever was listening and didn't like me talking about Kirk's fumble. They decided to cut the call off. Capital <laughs> Grill's mad. It's <laughs> Capital Grill. It, it they weren't throwing out a shout out. The, the, Courtney, it might have been, the, been the caller we got yesterday on, on Ventline that was mad at us for being so negative. Yesterday, he was he was mad at Collar specifically for being so negative. It might have been. Well, that, I mean, but. it was an ugly win. That's the hardest. I think that's the hardest thing. Is yes, wins are so hard to come by in the NFL. But when you win in that fashion, when you know, first off, you're not capitalizing off any of the special teams field position yep. uh, for the most part. It's some field goals here and there, but you know, you rely on your defense, and, and you know, yes, they were able to get it going there in the second half. But the fact that they just couldn't capitalize and, and left so many points. On the board. I mean, Adam Thielen should have reached 100 yards receiving by the second quarter. 
against that defense, against, you know, that secondary that was that was out without three-fifths of its, you know, starters. So that's uh, it's, it's kind of hard. It's a head-scratcher because you look at that and it's like, okay, 37 points, anytime you can do that, that's a good thing. But they really wasn't – the offense, you know, deserves some, some criticism just for, you know, some of the execution and getting in those situations where, you know, it's impossible to – it's impossible to consistently play when you're third and twenty-one, third and fourteen, multiple three and eleven, third and eleven. It's tough. So, Courtney, the question I was asking you before before we lost you there was, you know, how is Mike Zimmer feeling about the run defense? Because with Linval Joseph being out yesterday, mm-hmm. going into the game, I think a lot of people were concerned about how, because we know how good Linval is against the run, it's stopping the run up the middle. That that was going to be a concern going into the game, but they actually did a pretty good job without him yesterday. Uh, so how is how is Mike Zimmer feeling about where where the run defense was yesterday? Well, I think that you know anytime you can, there are seven best rushing team in the NFL, and a lot of those runs, uh, you know, created to the outside to get to the perimeter, kind of similar to what the Vikings did to attack the Eagles up front. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, they designed a lot of runs to get guys outside and, and, and move thing, move action that way. Um, I think he's, you know, probably pretty pleased with the way Jaleel Johnson performed in his first NFL career start. And, you know, even, you know, even, even on the back end, like Trey Waynes is an incredible run stopper. He's yes. very, very good. I don't think anybody breaks a tackle on Trey Waynes this year. I mean, it's, um, you know, such a, such a jump from where he was even two years ago. Um, not not that long ago, but it's really progressed into something that I think they're very proud of. So the run defense now, um, I think, is really starting to click because you haven't seen teams gash them up the middle or you know even on the outside when they force those runs because they have such athletic defensive linemen to get you know as teams are trying to get to the second level. You've, you've got you know first off, don't run onto Neil Hunter. That's stupid. But then you've got guys like Sheldon Richardson who's gonna, who are going to chase you down at the perimeter. I mean, I think teams are starting to realize that's not something you want to play with. That Jets game plan stunk, though. Asking Darnold to do that that much was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, for, for a rookie quarterback, yeah. I think it really speaks volumes to just how good the Vikings defense is that you take a look at, okay, he's got a hot start, you know, goes down, scores a touchdown, six of nine in uh, you know, passing in the first quarter. And then the final three quarters, he had, like, the lowest completion percentage of any quarterback with a minimum of 15 attempts this season. Like, that's, that's, that is uh, fixing, you know, that's adjustments and, you know, really wearing him down, learning that, you know, just kind of keying off of how good Mike Zimmer is at scheming against rookie quarterbacks. They threw a lot of different looks at him and, you know, confused him on several different levels. And I think that that was really the key to securing that victory just of how bad Darnold looked. I mean, they really, Kirk talked about suffocating rookie quarterbacks because he was a rookie quarterback at one point um, in that pregame speech two weeks ago, and I think they really took that to heart. They did it in back-to-back weeks, and now obviously the challenge is much more difficult against a non-rookie quarterback uh, in Drew Brees. Joseph Rhodes, Barr, and Sandejo, what's your guess on, on who plays on Sunday? Because, as I was saying before, if Xavier Rhodes can't play, and you just brought up the name of Drew Brees, this is going to be a very difficult assignment for guys like Mackenzie Alexander and Holton Hill. Yeah, we know what happened the last time uh, You know, Brees was looking to score there late in the fourth quarter. He picked apart Mackenzie Alexander on that fourth and ten. Uh, that's not a too distant memory. 
um, as good as Holton Hill was yesterday, I mean, there's, I asked Zimmer about it today. There's still work to be done. I mean, he's starting to grasp um, a lot of things he's being asked to do, but you're still you don't want to rely on a rookie cornerback against, as you said, Drew Brees. So we didn't really get too much of, of insight today. I mean, Zimmer did say yesterday that he that he wasn't he didn't think Rhodes' ankle would be too big of a concern. Take that for what it's worth, um, because we've also heard that from a number of other injuries, and they end up being very, very long, prolonged injuries. So when I was watching Rhodes walk off, you know, walk off the field yesterday, he could not put any weight on that ankle. If it's a sprained ankle, those, I mean, depending upon what kind of sprain it is, I don't want to speculate, but that's something that you don't necessarily see guys get over in five days. But, yep. um, you know, for Sandejo's been out for, for two weeks now. You've got to think that that groin, I mean, groin injuries, as we learned with Stephon Diggs, can, can be long-lasting. Uh, you know, Linville Joseph basically injured every body part of his in that uh, Cardinals game, and he was out there. But they're going to have to do some uh, some rearranging and really get creative if, if those four guys cannot go. Uh, against the Saints. Defensive man games lost for key players a year ago was four. Sandejo three, Griffin one. That's all I could find. Yeah, the defense, that's, that's one of the most underrated storylines of the 13-3 and three season is yep. that this defense, number one defense, was able to be number one because it didn't lose, really. I mean, Everson Griffin's playing through plantar fasciitis, like, and he's still getting sack numbers at that point. It's They got lucky with injuries last year, and, you know, if you're the Vikings, you hope that the hamstring injury for Barr is not going to be something that's, Long term, I mean, you could. Be, Eric Wilson's looked really good in his place, but that's somebody too. Is you know, he's a good run stopper, and you want to have him in there, and especially if you know if you're down guys in the defensive line too. I mean, we saw how effective they were in the third down blitz package with Anthony Barr. So, knock on wood, if you're the Vikings, that these injuries are not going to be something that keeps guys out of the Saints game. Did you find out who was smoking a hookah last night? No, I, I was at this horrible, what Manny's referring to, I was at this horrific restaurant in uh, East Rutherford. It was a very big rookie mistake by myself to venture out in the mean streets of East Rutherford after the game, and I ended up eating dinner next to someone smoking hookah. It was terrible. Did you get high? No, I mean, hookah is just like smokeless. To, it's, it's, no, it's, it's not smokeless. It's tobacco. Uh, I don't think you can get a contact high out of it. I don't know. I don't know. I would have tried. It was 16 the last Just time me. I smoked a hookah. I was probably underage. I have no idea. What are you doing going out in New Jersey? You could have called me. I've been there several times. I would have told you not to do it. I needed food. I was starving. And, and you know, truth be told, the food at MetLife Stadium in the press box was not great. How about um, going downstairs to the hotel? Uh, didn't they have a bar or something where you get a burger? The Fairfield Inn did not, Judd. I, uh, oh, you got to stay at the Marriott by the hotel or by the airport. Newark. I know. I, should have. I have learned my lesson. This is my first time out at the uh, at MetLife Stadium, and I've learned my lesson. Part of the chaos, though, was not staying in Jersey City or Manhattan, and you know, being able to not have to get up at two in the morning to get to the airport. Cronin, you work for the worldwide leader in sports. You can stay at the Newark Marriott, where at least you got a hotel bar. Yeah, I mean, next time okay. I will definitely, I will definitely do that. That was, you know, very much a rookie mistake, but it was my first trip. I will, I'm going to couch it with that. I'll take some accountability. Next time, get a scouting report first. That's all I got to tell Absolutely. you. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, Courtney. All right, thanks, guys. Football, yeah, football, football, yeah, football. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Gotta eat. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. Check out her work on the Vikings there. You can also hear her with the Collar on the Purple Podcast. And don't forget, tomorrow night, Purple Live. She'll actually be in studio with us at uh, 5 o'clock, and then her and Matthew Collar from 6 to 7 on Purple Live. TCL Broadcast Studios back after this. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's take a quick check on your traffic. Uh, Things moving rather smoothly around the metro right now. Nothing really out of the norm. Uh, We do have a crash, 394 westbound uh, near Park Place in Golden Valley. Uh, Look out for a crash there. And uh, that may slow things down a little bit if you're looking to head towards the West Metro. But otherwise, everything moving around rather normally. And uh, just drive carefully, folks. Don't put a wrench in it, Manny. Don't say stuff like that because we'll have three accidents simultaneously. (laughs) You know what makes me appreciate Mike Zimmer? Guys like Doug Marone, Mm. head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. A little iffy down there. Who, according to Matthew Collar, is a raging jackass, but he also can't coach. Um, <laughs> yesterday during the course of the game, he rightfully so lifted Blake Bortles and then came in with the post game. And I think the Jaguars, their vaunted defense, Manny has now given up 90 points in the past three games. Mm-hmm. And so he said, everyone's job is in jeopardy. Everyone's playing for their job. Oh, goodness. Well, today he came back and according to Adam Schefter, this is the statement from Jaguars head coach, Doug Marone this afternoon. I spoke to both quarterbacks this afternoon and told them that Blake will be our team's starting quarterback. I believe this gives us the best opportunity to win. Now more. Jaguars backup quarterback Cody Kessler, who came in to replace Bortles yesterday, will get reps this week with Jacksonville's starting offense, and Blake Bortles will be on a, quote, short leash, but he will retain his starting job Sunday against Philadelphia. The Jacksonville Jaguars who I never completely bought into, but they were supposed to be a Super Bowl contending team. Mm -hmm. How do you allow not only Blake Bortles to be your quarterback, which I don't get, but how do you allow an idiot like Doug Marone to coach this this collection? I don't know. I'm really, you know, it's amazing how well they've done with sort of building that defense in, in terms of, even though it's defense that's not playing well right now, they've acquired a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Like that's a that's when you when you look at the talent and the way that they played last year and at least early on this year, that's a that's a defense you can win a championship with. But the fact that they have not addressed the quarterback position like at all. Like at least I'm not saying go out and get Kirk Cousins in free agency, although that probably would have helped. That probably would have been a good idea. You could have got Bridgewater. In a trade. But, yeah, go get or somebody. Or as a free agent when he left Minnesota. Go get somebody to at least compete with Blake Bortles to sort of breathe over his shoulder like, hey, dude, you better get it in gear. Otherwise, what? we got this guy. What's this short leash crap? Now he's on a short leash. He's already bad. What are you trying to challenge a bad quarterback? That's well, going to make him worse, not and, better. He's not a comp- This is not a competitive giant that we're talking about. It's Blake Bortles. Well, and it's... it's is Cody Kessler really going to make that much of a difference? He's a better quarterback. I know that from seeing he's, him play. But he's no. better. But it's like, is that going to? But how are you helping? If this is your philosophy, and then to tell Blake he's on a short leash, you're an idiot. If you yeah. think this is going to work, he's going to be worse. Not to mention your defense. 
And Which was great a year ago. Clearly something's wrong it's, there. It's amazing Just how, fire Doug Marone. Fire him today. Isn't it amazing how they were basically seven, eight minutes away from going to the Super Bowl last year? You know what? Collar and I watched that game in Philadelphia before Eagles-Vikings NFC title game, and Collar told me flat out he's going to screw this up. Yep. Sure enough. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie joins the show next. Plenty more Vikings talk. Plus, I think we are going to get to uh, Jimmy Butler again as he continues his own homemade soap opera. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.